0: Renegades. Check it out. I want to let you know something. Before I had a podcast, I so badly wanted a podcast, but my brain, with all of its thinking thoughts, was like, You don't know how to do that. And that sounds like a lot of work. Well, guess what? It wasn't once I found out about Anchor. Anchor allows for you to record your podcast. It's super easy. You just use their platform. They distribute it to all of your other platforms like Apple, Spotify, Stitch. And let me tell you, one thing I did learn, there's a lot of platforms out there and you do not want to sit around taking your time uploading your episodes one by one. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast from your phone. Right now, I'm recording this from my phone. Not to mention the tools like the music, like intro music and little sound effects. Like, how fun is that? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go now. If you're at least, if you've ever thought, I want a podcast, I'm telling you, it's really this easy. Anchor.fm. Go to the Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm and make it happen. I did it. You can definitely do it
1: you are listening to dressing room confessions an intimate conversation about life in all of its glorious mess oh my god that sounds so generic please this is your host ashley kelch each week we will be going behind the curtain and we will uncover to discover just what keeps all of us moving forward even though we don't want to sometimes Okay, listeners, my renegades, it is episode number nine. That's right, nine episodes in the bag. I can't wait for next week when I'm like, and that's 10. And then 11, 12, 100, 1000, what have you. Um, speaking of, would really love it if you guys could go on to um, iTunes, Apple, Dressing Room Confessions podcast, you obviously maybe there right now. Scroll to the bottom of the page. you will see you can submit a review. Would't you just love to give me five stars. It's so easy. you just you just see that fifth star and with your finger you tap it. It's that easy. If you're feeling a little bit you know friskier, you could leave me a little message. But this will help get the podcast awareness out there that Dressing Room Confessions is here and that hopefully other people can find it. Um, so giving me reviews is one way to do that. Sharing it with your people is another. And I'm just asking if you would do that because I would um, love for others to find out so that they know too they are not alone in this world, in their life, living their struggles. Um, okay, so today I am talking to you about Your Brain on Dating, Part 2. So if you haven't listened to and indulged yourself with Part 1, please excuse yourselves. You need to listen to it, otherwise this won't make a ton of sense to you. The first part is where I get technical and I tell you all the science and educate you on just how the human brain works. Now, here are the cliff notes. It sounds like this. Some of us are out here dating and operating from our primal survival brain and repeating the same patterns and behaviors due to a mass of nuclei located in your brain called the basal ganglia. If you recall last week, I told you how much I love those two words, basal ganglia. Now, the important part is this. What this means is that we are dating like our lives depend on it and because our brains are super uber efficient, We won't get out of these loops, but instead keep picking and dating the same type of person over and over because of how it ends up making us feel. Is it happening subconsciously? Yes, that is until now. Now we are looking at our thoughts and behaviors, evaluating who and what we keep choosing, how we show up. And we're looking at this with compassion, renegades. We are not here to judge ourselves for any of it. When we access our modern brain and become aware of our thoughts and actions, we can go from thoughts like, why does this keep happening to me, and how am I here again, to, I chose this. Think pretty woman. I say who, I say when, I say who. You will have authority over what is happening. Slowly, you will be able to reprogram or rewire your brain through a process called neuroplasticity. This is the best news ever. I mean, can we give our brains a round of applause, please? What a smart, sexy motherfucker! We can change! So now that we know all of this, it's time to reveal another truth about our brains and humans. We are hardwired to want connection. Which is interesting if you think about it. Your primal brain is wired to keep you safe and to survive, to look for threats. And then you have this other piece, That is wired to want connection, relationships to bond, to be accepted, to be accepted. Can I say that word? To be accepted? (laughs) Talk about a tug of war, which explains this. Now listen closely. This need for connection is so much that we are willing to give up our short-term self-care because our primal brain sees rejection and humiliation, what have you, as dying and we must survive. Man, the more I learn about our brains and how we are wired as humans, the more I'm realizing that dating without awareness is grounds for disaster. We are so worried about not finding the one and being alone that we start compromising ourselves and what we want from basically the first conversation, and we do not even know we're doing it. This is a problem. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard a woman tell me about a guy she's dating And how great it is. And how excited she is. And the sex is the best ever. And you know, he doesn't want kids. But maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe I don't even want kids. I'm sorry, what? If you want kids, why are you dating someone who doesn't? And P.S. Not this podcast, but another one is 100% going to focus on the fact that we cannot go for the one because he's good in bed. Renegades. We do not make any life decisions when we're digmatized. It's against all the rules in my intuitive fucking program. So the other problem that we have going on with our brains is what is called our belief systems. If you can even call them yours, they need major updating. Think of it like your iPhone. You know how you need to do a software update every few months? Well, your brain needs this sort of attention to its software as well. And in this case, it's your belief systems. Instead of like the iOS update, we need the IBS update. And that does not stand for bullshit, although a lot of our beliefs are based on bullshit. We're running on old recycled belief systems that we're unaware of. Your systems start from forming from birth, from before birth, while you're in the womb. There are these studies that show that our ancestors' traumas, emotions, and experiences are passed through into our DNA. You are preset with a behavioral blueprint or map before you are born. What you will be triggered by, what you will long for, your sense of worth. And then depending on your environment and the family you were born into, loving, attached, or aggressive and uncaring, your brain hardwires superhighways in your brain and body and maps out how you will show up and respond to people in your relationships before they happen. All of this happens before you're able to walk and talk. It's been ingrained subconsciously. Then add to it all the years of outside information from church and schools and friends, social media, pop culture. You've been inundated with information so much that you haven't even considered or inundated with so much information that you haven't even considered anything for yourself. You haven't had to really. You're preconditioned to show up and respond to relationships in a particular way and you don't even know it. Carl Jung says, until you allow the unconscious to become conscious, it will rise up to you as your life and you will call it your fate. Most of us have never considered our belief settings and our belief systems and where they come from. Setting boundaries or priorities for ourselves. I'm going to tell you some beliefs that I've told my daughter make your own money and always be able to support yourself don't wait around for a guy all day always keep your girlfriends close especially when you're dating it's safe to say that Faith will unknowingly take my beliefs combined with all the other information she'll be consuming over the years and apply it to her dating life and assume that since this information is in her brain and she's thinking it that it's true She may not even remember that it came from her mother unless someone asks, who told you you should make your own money, not wait around for a guy all day and keep your girlfriend's clothes. Think of all the behaviors and actions you've witnessed in addition to what you've been told. It's highly probable that the lessons I've taught Faith have contradicted with who I was being in relationships at times as well, which would make sense as to why I make it a point to teach her the lessons in the first place. Don't make my same mistakes. So now you have conflicting beliefs and you don't even realize the state of like cognitive dissonance that you're constantly op- operating from when you're dating. This is one teeny tiny example of where a few beliefs may be just floating around about your priorities and boundaries and they're not yours, but nonetheless you go along with them. But like I mentioned, your brain can re- rewire itself through the process of neuroplasticity if you're willing to do the work. Accessing your modern brain, you can see what behaviors you are storing. It takes being really honest with yourself, seeing you but not judging you, looking at what triggers you, watching your thoughts and emotional behaviors and being curious about them. Something that I found that I was grossly overreacting to was being woken woken up by my partner in the middle of the night. I didn't want to date men who were night owls. Everyone needs to be in bed at like normal sleeping hours. And if I got woken up because they came in late or were playing video games or Instagramming on the couch at 2 a.m., I would straight up lose my shit. It was almost like an out-of-body experience, you guys. I would be shaking and yelling, sometimes sobbing. The next day I'd be embarrassed, but it didn't register until this year that it has everything to do with my childhood and growing up with a parent that would not, or that would go out and not come home until the latest hours. Sometimes they would bring people home. They'd all be drunk, listening to music, and I would beg them to turn it down. And I'd feel immense relief that my parent was home, but then 100% agitated and angry about the noise. This is where my body and mind go at 2 a.m. when someone gets up to use the restroom. You're all thinking, no wonder you live alone. Who would want that psycho shit rolling at you in the middle of the night? I get it. I asked myself the same thing. And then I started doing the work around it, the thought work around it. When I experience this reaction, I now respond differently. I allow my body to relive that trauma, actively accept the vibration while separating the thoughts. I remind myself that I'm safe and the situation is not the one that I'm processing in my body. Like what is happening currently is not what my body is processing. I hold a massive amount of grace for myself. I have the conversation after my body has calmed down and, looked at this, and I look at the situation from a neutral space. I'm able to laugh at myself a little too. I'm not holding it against me, and I'm working on retraining my brain to not default there, but instead evolve it. This is what I'm talking about. This belief that I've been carrying that everyone has to be in bed before 10 so I can like, basically feel safe was 100% hardwired without me consciously knowing it, and I've been reacting, not responding, to everyone around me from a state of emotional chaos and control. I want you to take a moment to explore within yourself some beliefs that you have. Can you identify any? Do you think you could begin to identify ones that you haven't really been aware of? Where did they come from? Another great question I want you to explore is, what are some lessons my parents taught me? Consider asking your modern brain some questions and decide for yourself what you want your belief system to look like. We want to do this from a clear headspace, my friends, not a grudgeful, resentful, angry, bitter, I'm so tired of this BS, but one of abundance and love. Again, think grace and compassion for yourself. Start by asking yourself if you can believe the opposite of what you were taught. Why or why not? Do you believe that marriage is a must? Why? Are you okay with having multiple sex partners? Why, why not? Is staying home with kids something women should do? Is it better to have separate checking accounts? Or would you consider being married and not live in the same house? Once you do this, decide what beliefs you want to keep and decide which ones you want to remove. Create your belief system for you. Deeply explore some of your emotional pre-programming. Watch how you show up in relationships, how you respond to conflict, being woken up at night when you feel wronged, Can you witness you and your experience without blaming the other person or involving them momentarily? Just watch you. You can learn a lot about yourself if you become your own witness. Take your time with this work and allow patience. You can't change a lifetime of beliefs and behaviors overnight. Start practicing thinking your new beliefs every day, like 10 times a day. It's possible. Your brain will start to catch on. Once you hone in on your belief system, you have the groundwork to set yourself up for success with dating. You can use this information to set your boundaries and priorities in place, and get grounded in them. This process will change the way you date. There are a few reasons for this. One, if you're clear with what you are okay with and not okay with, and honor what is important to you, say how you spend your time, with who, lifestyle choices, Wanting babies and marriage, etc., then you will spend less time compromising yourself and in a state of confusion. Two, this gives your modern brain something to focus on. There is structure and supervision when you tell your brain to go to work for you, and it will. So why not put it to work while you're dating, right? It doesn't matter if we're talking casual dating or dating to find your soulmate. Knowing your priorities and boundaries will eliminate a lot of the noise that gets created in our minds. If something with someone doesn't line up, we'll be able to manage our minds and thoughts and come back to center. We'll rest assured we are choosing our higher self. Three, there is no greater form of self-care or self-love than this, you looking out for you. No one will do it for you. I cannot stress this enough. When you take the time to discover your personal priorities and boundaries and start to honor them, you will begin to discover what it's like to trust yourself. You won't be asking yourself, How did I just spend every day of the last six months with this guy, paying for all our food and drinks, letting him sleep at my place, listening to him complain about not having a job when I should have been focusing on my job? You won't wonder why you spent all those hours texting them instead of paying attention to your kid's football game or your daughter's dance rehearsal or your work. And believe it or not, you won't be defined by this person's behavior. You won't make how they show up or don't show up mean anything about you. It will become less personal. If you honor your priorities and boundaries, you'll be so straight on what you're looking for that you won't compromise yourself. If you do choose to pay for someone while they crash at your place, you will not beat yourself up about it. You will make the decision ahead of time and own it. You will have made the choice from a clear headspace and not one from an emotional place. You will start making mindful decisions and be accountable for your choices. This is not to say that you will suddenly be happier when dating or that you won't experience heartache. That is not what I'm offering here. The human experience is 50% good and it's 50% bad. Obviously, dating and relationships are not the exception. What I'm offering is a way for you to approach dating and your relationships from a space that is deliberate and on purpose, rather than reacting from an emotional state when you feel you've been wronged or triggered you'll be able to come back to you and remind yourself that you're honoring yourself above all else. Doesn't that sound, uh, let's just say it, empowering? Mm, I think so. So let's talk priorities. I wanted to look up the definition because I was like, do I even know what that means? The actual definition for priorities is a condition of being more important than other things. Have you considered what's more important than having someone in your life, than meeting the one? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no, mainly due to the fact that social social conditioning has told us finding the one and living happily ever after is the meaning of life. It's like the heartbeat of our culture's belief system. It's really only been, I think, in the last five, 10 years, maybe not even that long that the media and pop culture has caught on and started promoting that being single isn't the end of the world, that women may not want to have kids and that's okay that marriage doesn't make you whole. However, it's embedded in the fabric of our society and programmed into our brains that are already wired for connection. It is a triple whammy. It only makes sense that we put finding the one before anything else. The people around you who didn't choose that life have been seen as the outsiders. The one who pursued their passions and then perhaps found a partner later in life, the outcast. Men who only wanted to work and travel selfish bachelors, career women without husbands and children, how unorthodox. I'm going to say that these individuals valued their priorities and themselves above anything else. I used to think they were crazy, that these people were not doing it right. But now I see that I was basically brainwashed to think that you had to have a partner and the one to find happiness. Now I see the flip side. After my second divorce at 33 years old, I found myself thinking, holy shit, I married twice, basically for my kids and to have a family unit. I started to question if I was even into the concept of marriage, if it was something I did because I had kids and it's all I was ever told. Having a life partner or domestic partner and not getting married was living in sin. And if you were to bring kids into all of that, well, you may as well have set my house on fire. My family saw me burning in hell. And even though I started to realize, I like became a little bit aware of these thoughts in my mid thirties, I did not think too much about it. It's like they came and they went. The ingrained thought stuck. Keep dating, find the one, it's what you do. This is success. My actions were 100% all about finding my soulmate. It was a fact my brain believed to be true and it was top priority. My kids came second at times. I was often an emotional wreck and my work definitely came second. After spending time with someone for a few months or more and it not working out, I would be angry at them and myself. I'd blame them for wasting my time, stringing me along, fucking with my emotions, put out for this person wanting me to work at their office with them and distracting me from what I should be doing. The truth is I made the choices I made, even if subconsciously, but no one made me do anything, hashtag, I chose this life. I was upset with myself. I knew I should have been in my office taking care of my responsibilities, that being there for my kids was more important than the drama. My priorities were not clear, known, or considered. And when I say considered, I mean by me. But that's the irony. We're out here dating expecting others to consider our needs and we don't even know them. And we lose our shit over these people wasting our time, but we're doing it to ourselves. I'd compromised myself over and over, and it never occurred to me that this wasn't dating. If you listen to me now, you would never know that I thought about relationships this way. Now I sound like an uncompromising bitch, but nothing could be further from the truth. I'm not willing to give up what's important to me, and the people in my life know that, and they're okay with it. And if they're not, that's okay. There's 7 billion people in the world. Trust me when I tell you, For every dude that thinks you're a bitch because you tell him you're done making plans because he cancels them all the time and you value your time, there are five more out there that will think, damn, this woman is an anomaly, a.k.a. modern renegade. My priorities are me, my family, my friendships, my work, and my workouts. The me portion is like all my boundaries and we'll get there. When I make plans, I consider these things above all else. I'll hang out with my kids before anyone. Friday night, watching movies with my daughter or going to the gym with her are by far my favorite activities. I'm not going to ditch my girlfriends to hang out with some guy. I'm not going to wait around all day to hear from somebody. I'm not going to wait for someone to send me flowers. I won't meet you instead of going on a run around the lake. This is like this one right here has been an amazing lesson for me the feeling i get from running is something that like nobody can make me physically feel or mentally feel not even sex and for any of you thinking well you must not be having good sex i will tell you something i've had mostly only great sex but my runner's high that's the cloud i'm talking about walking on i'm clear on that I'm not going to date someone who's looking for something serious. I have a family. It includes my two kids, my ex-boyfriend, who's my life partner, and our puppies. I'm not interested in creating a family unit with anyone else at this time, possibly ever. I won't hang out with you if it gets in the way of me working. I was just joking on my Instagram that if a dude is bothering you during your workday, tell him he's going to have to send you alimony to steal your time away from your work. That will shut a motherfucker up. It does. I've let others come in front of my top five priorities priorities more times than I'd like to admit. And for what? So much mental and emotional energy and time gone. Where are they now? I'm not saying it wasn't all for naught, and that I didn't value those experiences, but I will 100% say nothing is more important to me than the above priorities i listed. So you either fall in line with them or you don't. It's that simple. You can't get your time back. How you choose to spend it is on you. I'm personally choosing to spend my time with meaningful people having meaningful experiences. Do you know your top five priorities? What are they? Why are they important to you? You should list those out. Is it your time? Is it being with your kids? Is it building a business, working out? Is it meeting someone? Is meeting someone the most important thing? Are you looking for a family? Are you climbing that corporate ladder, traveling the world? What are your priorities? Get clear on them and talk about them. If you're looking for casual sex and your potential date says that they're looking for a life partner, you can say, oh my God, I'm so glad you just told me that. I'm not looking for a life partner. I'm just looking for casual lovers. I think it would be best for both of us if we didn't go any further. You've just saved you both so much time and energy and that you can use and direct toward people who are more aligned with the same intentions and thinking. If you're looking for a husband and kids, let the world know. Instead of sitting around waiting for the other person to tell you what they want from you, you can openly tell them what you're looking for and be a part of the process and not a bystander in your dating life. Take control. If you're clear about these things that are important to you, you can approach any situation honestly. And don't forget, your brain is going to resist being dishonest because our primal brain fears that rejection. It quite simply starts sending off alarms like, No, 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 no. It's not that big of a deal. If he doesn't want kids, he's probably gonna change his mind. Stop talking about kids and play it cool. That's the shit your primal brain does. So are you currently dating with priorities in mind? Think about the last person you dated. What did you put before this person? What did you choose to let slide? What did you want to lose your fucking mind over? What made you feel crazy? I want you to think about this for a moment because this is where we start to discuss boundaries. Have you guys heard of those? Oh, those little pesky boundaries. What the hell? Is it me or has anyone else noticed that no one ever mentioned boundaries or priorities in school? Like, I I didn't grow up hearing about this stuff. I didn't. Um, I think I only, like, sort of learned about boundaries as an adult when I was being told that they were crossed. And I didn't even, like, know. <laughs> Do you guys... Are you thinking of what I'm thinking, though? Like, should I... I feel like I need to start a school, like one that teaches us that our brains are wired to be batshit crazy, but we can learn to manage them with these tools and teach our youth how the human brain is wired, but it can be rewired with skills and life hacks that will change your life for the better. Are we in? Okay, well, anyway, boundaries. This is why I have me listed as my top priority. Because boundaries, the invisible lines that protect me and my emotional well-being think of setting boundaries as a way to practice self-care and self-responsibility. Not only are they extremely empowering, but I've decided that they are better than orgasms. The long-term benefits you get from honoring your boundaries is how you learn to trust yourself. And that, my friends, is the kind of pleasure we are talking about. I am here to tell you, if you're not used to using your voice and having boundaries, it will feel incredibly uncomfortable. Chances are you have not been taught to self-advocate that was probably considered talking back. You will feel like you were in the wrong or maybe you will feel like you're going to hurt someone else's feelings. These are all normal thoughts when you first start considering boundaries and honoring them. How can you discover what your boundaries are? Similar process to exploring the belief systems. Start by asking. When you are feeling triggered or charged by someone, instead of focusing on them and what they are doing, ask yourself, why is this bothering me? Why am I choosing to let their behavior affect me this way? What is the situation showing me about me that I need to know? This is an opportunity for you to learn something about yourself. Not change the other person's behavior, but how you respond to it. Are you hoping they're going to change? And if they do, what will you make that mean? If someone is doing something that you don't like and you keep showing up for it, I want you to consider that this is an engraved behavior that you may not realize you're reacting to. Take a deeper look. Why are you unwilling to remove yourself from the situation? I was thinking about this guy that I was friends with for a little while during my 30s, early 30s. I'm still in my 30s. He was in his early 40s. Successful. Came off as semi-wealthy. Definitely ambitious, what have you. A lot of girls would consider him a major catch. They did, and they do. The first few years, I'd hear his dating stories about how these girls would go crazy, like stay up all night in his lobby waiting for him to come down and catch him with another woman or use a key to go into his apartment or find out where he was hanging out, like via Facebook and stalk him in real life. He even said like girls would like make out with him without his permission. At First, I was like, dude, how do you attract all these crazy bitches? Like, how does this keep happening to you? But this was one of those rare occurrences in life where the universe shared with me the other side of the story. I had an opportunity to meet other women who dated him. I got to see the flip side and it made all the sense. I figured it out. He was making them fucking crazy and they were letting him. He would tell these women that they were his top priority. Give them the key to his place. Offer them garage openers. Post pictures with them on social media and like... The first three weeks of dating. And then he would drop off the face of the earth. Well, sort of. These women would have no fucking idea what was happening. Like, what, why, how? So in an attempt to talk to him and get answers, they'd wait it out in his lobby. Or meet him him at like one of his social spots. And there he'd be with someone new. Insert girls going crazy. The thing is, the reason I thought about this... Hold on, I'm opening my drink. This is... This is not a sponsored podcast, but I do want you to know that I'd be loving me some of this Waterloo sparkling water. Quite refreshing. Okay. The reason I thought about it was several of the women would go back to him and the relationship. And it seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? Like this is what I'm talking about though. Belief systems combined with not having or honoring boundaries. It makes sense when we consider again, how our brains are wired If you are used to feeling rejected, your brain will program the familiarity and send you straight to the source to relive rejection or the feeling of loneliness, of not being wanted. Like I said in your Brain on Dating part one, any habit or behavior that you have that has an intense emotion associated with it will be harder to change and it will not matter if it's positive or negative emotions. Your basal ganglia, sends the message, we know this feeling, it's comfortable, go here, rinse, repeat. I already mentioned my hardwired behavioral settings and belief systems from living with a parent who didn't want to come home from drinking and being out, so I'll share with you how that's continued to show up in my dating life and relationships. I found that I was dating men who would who drink and not necessarily come home when they said they were going to or would drive after being out when they said they weren't going to, and I would sit and freak the fuck out at home until whatever hour they got home. And I had no idea that this was me repeating, waiting up for my parents to come back, wondering if they were okay. Were they going to bring people home? What was going to happen? Would I be able to wake up? Why won't they come home and be with me? Why would they rather be out than with me? Why is drinking more important? My brain has a superhighway carved out and it is hardwired to seek out this feeling. Did I know that? Fuck no. I kept choosing environments and settings with people that were on some levels really unhealthy for me. Did these men work? Yes. Were they good fathers? Yes. So I'd unknowingly compromise myself. So I decided to give up drinking. I decided to give up drinking and I knew I did not want to be with someone who had to drink, but I thought that I still could be with someone who would, you know, drink a little. I'd be very honest about this when meeting people. I don't drink but I don't care if you do. Like people would ask me like, is it okay if I have like a glass or or two of wine? I'd be like, yeah, it's not even a problem. Or I'd hear the most common response is like, oh, you don't drink? I'd love to drink less and hang out with someone who doesn't drink. Yeah, no, drinking's not that big of a deal to me. Oh, alcohol doesn't mean anything to me. But then when we were together or out, I'd notice how quickly they'd order a drink and order another while they were drinking it and end up like wasted. The core of my system, I want you to think of this, like an energetic coil running through my body vertically would start to vibrate. I could literally feel myself shaking and my voice saying, this isn't okay to you. But my primal brain, I swear to God was like, what? No, they're not drunk. Don't make it such a big deal. You're totally overreacting. It's hot out. People need to hydrate. He, he's really into you and he'll probably drink less as time goes on. And I would stick around for it. Like basically like gaslighting myself. Come on, renegades what are we doing here? I was forsaking my boundaries, my feelings of safety and comfort so someone else would continue to like me. I chose to overlook what was obvious in hopes to have a relationship with this person. And this didn't go on for very long, honestly. Because here's the thing. After telling myself I didn't want to be with a drinker, I started showing up differently. I started being more clear with people and letting them know that drinking wasn't important to me. I found that when I was out, that I'd end up talking to people who also really didn't drink and it seemed random, like the universe giving me a gift, but it really was my mindset was shifting and so was I. I watched as my friends and the men I chose to date started to align more with what I was looking for. I would state my boundary and they would honor it. And if they didn't, I'd honor me and remove myself from the situation. I really can't even remember the last time I had to remove myself from something like that though. And now I casually drink and I have dated people who casually drink. It's a completely, like a completely rewired situation. What's been equally incredible is crashing down the belief system that I have built up over the years that drinking and partying was more important than me. The thought you'd rather party and be out drinking than home with me is not even a thought that would occur to me now, let alone be something I would believe. And I don't take other people's lifestyles or choices personal. I know it has nothing to do with me. If you wanna drink more than I do, that's okay. When I set boundaries now, it's out of a place for love for everyone involved. Whether it's about my time, my emotional well-being, personal space, it's done from a place of love. I simply make a request followed with a consequence. This isn't an ultimatum. You're not manipulating the other person to get what you want. You're not setting boundaries when you're upset or reactive to a situation either. I recently practiced this with a family member who has some strong opinions about me and how I parent. I told them I was more than happy to communicate with them on the phone, but not if they were going to yell at me. They said, okay, then we won't be talking. And I said, okay. I made a request and I gave them the option to still do what they want. I didn't say, you can't yell at me. I didn't say if you yell, I'm going to yell and hang up. It was really quite simple. I'll talk, but not if you're going to yell. I'm not saying you can't be you and have a choice and yell. I'm saying I'm not going to be yelled at and if that's the only way you want to communicate, then no, I love you, but no. My kids know that I'm very protective of our home space. My family knows that I like having my own space. They don't take it personal when I'm in my room. They know to ask me before inviting people into our space and they know not to invite disruptive people. I made the request, and I've stated a consequence. We are all on the same page. With my kids, since they're older now too, it's it's easier, but I've been practicing letting them come up with a consequence. An example of this actually just happened. Nick had gone out one night without taking the trash and recycle out, setting us back a week. I said, okay, next week, if you go out and forget, how would you like me to handle that, or it? He said, um... Yeah, you should make me stay home and not let me go out with my friends. I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And I said, cool. One week later, he forgot. We were on the phone when he was telling me about his plans for the evening. And I said, hey, did you remember to put the trash out last night? The silence was deafening. The sigh of disappointment, my God. I said, okay, well, you know what that means. And he said, yes, I do. I'm on my way home. It was so unemotional for me, I'd say for both of us, cause he chose, he chose the consequence. But there have been years, you guys, like where I would lose my fucking mind if they didn't do the things that I asked. Like if you don't do the two things that I ask of you, that meant like I was a terrible mother raising lazy kids. It was just, I would lose it. Which that has nothing to do with dating, but it was just a really good clear way for me to show you an example of setting boundaries. All this to say, boundaries are everywhere you have unspoken ones in place now that you don't even realize, and you just assume everyone you meet knows not to cross them I'm here to tell you, no one knows your boundaries unless you know them, honor them, and state them when necessary. For example, I have a friend who doesn't hug like do you guys you guys have any of those friends out there they're like not touchers? I'm not much of a toucher either, but like I'm, I'm probably like a non-consensual hugger. I'm like, it's happening. I'm just gonna let it happen. I don't want it to happen, but here, oh my God, it happened. Um, I, Hey, let this just be, don't hug me. If you see me, I'm not a real big hugger. (laughs) Like, um, unless I go in for a hug, which does happen on occasion. Anyway, obviously I'm confused. She's very clear on like, she does not want personal like touch. She doesn't want to make contact. If you go to hug her, she will nicely decline, which she never has to do because she's making it known with her body language and words. Think about the ways in which you can take care of yourself and set boundaries when it comes to dating. What sort of boundaries can you set to bring ease, care, and comfort to the process? Maybe it's not being intimate until you're monogamous. Perhaps you don't want someone meeting your kids until you know that the relationship is serious. Maybe it's being forthright and sharing ahead of time that you're not looking for anything serious and that you're in load time is important to you, but the casual hang would be nice. If you're solid with your boundaries, you can set yourself up ahead of time and honor them. Not find yourself in bed with someone you just met thinking, oh my God, I don't do one night stands. What does he think of me? What do I think of me? Oh, no, none of that. You will honor yourself. You can stay centered. What's also incredible about boundaries is that you really don't owe anyone an explanation about them. They are yours and for you, to serve you, your highest self. Not to make anyone else happy, but you. And the same goes for the people around us. They get to choose how they want to live. It's our job to accept other people's priorities and boundaries as much as we expect them to accept ours. And there's even more good news. For some of those deeper-seated, hardwired emotions that we are reliving without proper boundaries, it's not too late. You can set healthy boundaries for yourself from a place of love. You can rewire this belief system. Start doing the work. Become mindful of your thoughts and patterns and behaviors. Ask yourself if they're serving you. If not, decide on purpose how you can honor yourself. Renegades, if you're struggling with this, I want to invite you to book a Power Hour session with me. I don't dwell on my past, but if there's one thought that I've had this last year, it's that I wish I'd had these tools and my own life coach 10 years ago. The way my mind manages dating, parenting, building a business is a 180 degree difference than it was. And it starts with this work that I'm talking about. If you keep finding yourself emotionally depleted and wondering why you keep ending up at ground zero, book the session. If you found yourself thinking, I don't have time for myself to date, to be the mother I want and work, book the session. If you find that you are the opposite and you have all this shit on lock, but you want to reach like optimal levels book the session. I want you all to consider that mental fitness is just as important, if not more so than physical. We don't tend to our minds and thinking. Like they say, if you can change your thinking, you can change your world. And that's what my services are all about. Mental fitness. The power of one hour is mind blowing. It's only $175, which is almost half of what it costs to work with me hourly and worth every penny for the experience and gained perspective. Go to my website now. It's www.ashleymcalsh.com slash book online While you're there, sign up for my newsletter. Sunday mornings done modern, and you know each week I send you my top five things that I'm pondering, doing, thinking, what have you. I've noticed that a lot of you really like the recipes that I post. It's kind of cute. So you be cute. Sign up. Okay, I've got things to do. You know my priorities are in check. I'll talk to you next week, renegades. Have a great week. That is a wrap with Dressing Room Confessions. Now listen up. I want to thank you for listening, but I have a favor, uh, just a tiny little favor. Head on over to the Anchor app, download that, and when you do so, send me a message. Super easy. You'll see it on the homepage of my um, podcast what do I want to hear? Well, I want to hear if you have any questions about what we just talked about, or if you have any input, or if there's something that maybe you want to talk about on my podcast. That is right. Are you looking to have an intimate conversation? I'd be way into it. What I don't want to hear is any sort of like aggressive or angry or, you know, creepy input you may have. If that's the case, unsubscribe and move on. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week.